week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. I'm Dave Palmer. Diane is running the board, and I always get excited about doing the interview I'm about to do because for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's just a great, great cause, but it also always is a great reminder that we're entering into the holiday season, and it's just to me, it's the best season of the year, and it's just, it's just it's wonderful. And I'm talking about a program that is offered. Uh, it has been offered for many years now uh, by Cross Catholic outreach called Box of Joy, uh, providing schools, parishes, organizations, and families with an inspiring opportunity to send gifts to Haiti, Guatemala, and other developing countries so kids can get a, at least one Christmas gift this Christmas. And I have on the line with me Michelle Sagarino, Vice President for Development for Cross Catholic Outreach, and she's going to tell us how all of us can get involved in this uh, really awesome program this holiday season. In fact, you got to act quickly. <laughs> uh, Michelle, uh, thanks for joining us in the program today. Uh, thank you, Dave, for inviting me. I'm super excited to talk about uh, Cross Catholic Outreach's Christmas box program, Box of Joy. We are, I guess it feels like far away from Christmas, but it's really just about 64 days away, and a lot of children in developing countries around the world are um, in hope of receiving just one gift, and we're hoping to rally Catholics here in the United States to do that. Amen. You started with Cross Catholic Outreach in 2004, according to the bio that I have here, which uh, that was, uh, gosh, that was a year my, my daughter was born, so I know it's about 18, 18, <laughs> 17, 18 years, so you've been there a long time. Can you tell us about uh, Cross Catholic Outreach, even, you know, even beyond Box of Joy? What, what is the purpose and mission of it? Oh, sure. I'm thankful that God brought me here about, you're right, almost 18 years, right? We're in 18th year, and um it's an amazing ministry. We're a Catholic ministry, and we began in 2001. And our goal is to help the poorest of the poor in developing countries around the world, but most importantly, to help holistically, both spiritually and materially. So we work alongside the most amazing leaders around 33 different countries that are either bishops or dioceses, nuns, lay missionaries that run over 320 programs. It could be housing, water, food, orphan care, microfinance, and of course, Box of Joy as well. And we provide aid as they're doing what they're called to do um, to, to help the most vulnerable in these countries. Amazing leaders. It's it's a blessing to work alongside of them. We do. Um, we have been since two thousand and one organization, and just last year we distributed three hundred and thirty million dollars worth of aid. Mm, wow, wow! It says here that you lead a team of one hundred and thirty five people, mobilizing Catholics to fund food, shelter, water, Catholic education, spiritual development. Like you said, a very holistic approach. Uh, I mentioned in the introduction about Haiti, Guatemala, and other developing countries. How do you choose, you know, which countries the, and, and, and for distribution of this $330 million worth of supplies? Uh, how many countries are, in, uh, are on the, the receiving end of the aid? For our ministry at large, we served uh, last year and this year as well thirty in 32 different countries. Mm. And um, the short answer of... How do we find who we work with? There's so many amazing um, leaders of our church internationally is the Holy Spirit. 
And um, so many times we'll be meeting with bishops or other program leaders, and they'll share with us work that's being done somewhere else um, by a, a great leader that has all the talents, all the skills, just missing the support financially. So we don't really take applications. It's, it's more just from being in the country and working alongside other partners and where the Holy Spirit guides us to. And um, it's, it's just a beautiful experience to be able to come alongside of these leaders and come alongside of them for the long haul. Mm. Not just come in and go out, but be partners, know each other. Like you said, you've been involved with Box of Joy for years. You know it now. Well, if we're alongside partners that we know, if they have certain needs, they can always reach out to us. And that's our model is is long-term relationships. Yeah, I love that. Serving as a link between uh, the hearts of the benefactors and what God is calling them to do for the poor. And yeah, as mentioned, my my family and I have been involved in Box of Joy for many years, and we uh, I, I just love this the sacrificial aspect of going to a store and buying stuff not for yourself <laughs> but for somebody else, uh, especially if it's things that you know you otherwise you desire, but you're you're giving it to somebody else. So let's use that as a good way to to jump into Box of joy in particular, what it is for maybe for people who are hearing about it for the first time, website boxofjoy.org, boxofjoy.org. So what, what is this all about? Well, thank you. A few years ago, we got together, um, the president, Jim Kavner, myself and some team members, and we were just wanting a way to give families, organizations, churches, schools, a way to learn and engage with what the church is doing internationally. We really wanted to mobilize um, youth to be able to participate in programs, as well as organizations like Knights of Columbus. And so we began the Box of Joy program. And essentially, it's a way to really give children internationally, many times the first time ever, a Christmas gift. It's a shoebox program in which parishes will join or schools will join. We send out all the supplies, the boxes, the pamphlets to pass out, everything that is needed. And then in turn, they fill it with small gifts, toys, school supplies, other essentials. You'd be surprised or you probably know, like soap, toothpaste, toothbrushes, hard candies, um, coloring books. And then we, the parishes and schools collect them at drop-off centers, and we send all the trucking and um, transportation to pick those up and bring it to our distribution center in Miami where we screen it and look for chocolates or anything that water, anything that can't be shipped. And then we add a rosary and a story of Jesus um, for the children in each and every box. So it's, it's really a way to mobilize the church here to have a hands-on activity, can bring families together, and to bless children overseas with partners we're already working with in other ways. Michelle Sagrino is my guest, Vice President for Development for Cross Catholic Outreach. They are the ones who host the Box of Joy program every year, and uh, it's 
really just a, a beautiful way for anybody to get involved in in bringing joy to uh, somebody who has a much less opportunity to have, have Christmas gifts than most of us have the opportunity. And they are sending gifts to Haiti, Guatemala, and other developing countries. And you can be involved, boxofjoy.org, boxofjoy.org. Uh, and so the you you you, you, def, you explained it really well, Michelle. But I just well, kind of want to paint a picture. So somebody, and since we've done this, I can I can describe it. You tell me if I got this accurate. But you you, you get a box, and then on the side of the box, you can choose the the gender and the the age. Uh, for the child, like let's say a, a, a five to ten year old boy, right? And so you you click that, and then you go and you get toy different things that are um, applicable for that age. You fill it up, you you close it, and then you drop it off at the drop off center. And then I think you have a little cost for shipping, and then you're you're done. Is is that pr- pretty accurate the way I described it? That is accurate. We allow um, we ask everybody to choose a boy or a girl, so we know how to give it out appropriately in country. And it could be a two to four year old, five to nine, 10 to 14. We do pick them up. Within that box is a brochure that asks for shipping. The shipping um, is $7. We ask for nine. So $7 covers it to all, your, your gift to get all the way into Guatemala, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Honduras. And then the other two is given to the ministry partner so that they can support their mission that's, that, that they're doing, be it feeding, education. And so many of these partners use that to, to, to lift up even more what they're accomplishing. So it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful program. And it's all inside the package that will be sent out to any parish, school, or group, or even individual that goes on boxofjoy.org and signs up. You'll receive everything that you need. I'm curious, have you ever seen like the, the, the passing out of these boxes? Have you ever been in one of these countries that, and seeing the children, the smiles? Have, have, have you had that personal experience before? I have. I have, Dave. I, um, you know, we, when we were creating this program, we wanted to have the tagline for children who wish for just one gift. And we were like asking, is that, is that accurate? Have they received gifts? And so I was blessed to be able to go to um, Haiti, all the way up in Hinch, the northern part of Haiti, where it's beautiful, beautiful ministry called Covenal, and be able to distribute these gifts out. So we waited, we had the boxes, the missionary was there sharing and explaining that this is, you know, a gift from um, individuals across in the United States, and then they went to open the boxes, and some were crazy, like we would expect, like, oh, open them up, but some, the couple that really touched me, just were so slow in opening them, or they would just hold it, Mm. and so I asked the interpreter to say, are you going to open this? Go ahead, (laughs) open it, open it, and and the little boy said, no, I want to take this box home, and I want to share it with my brothers and sisters, so... It is just beautiful to see and, and the excitement when they get a, a soccer ball. Many times people put a soccer ball in that's deflated with a little pump. Oh, they love that or sunglasses and just to watch the joy as they do open it and, and how they share it with others is 
is so beautiful. Oh, that so is. Beautiful. I never thought of a soccer ball. I, I guess you have to really uh, compress it to get it in there along with the pump. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Kevin Wandra from Carmel Communications sent an email through and he gave me a few examples of some of the collection sites, some of the, the schools and parishes that are involved in this. And, uh, and I just want to mention these four. I know there's more, and uh, Michelle, maybe you can tell our listeners where they can go and find other drop-off sites. Uh, St. Bernard of Clairvaux Catholic School in Dallas is one. St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic School in Dallas. All Saints Catholic School in Dallas. And also Immaculate Conception Catholic School in Denton. Now, those are the four I have. Again, I think there's going to be a lot more, and they're probably growing by the day. But um, what, what should people do if they, if, if they want to find where else they can drop them off, Michelle? Oh, yes. Yeah, that, this area is very, very engaged. And if you go to boxofjoy.org across the top banner, you will see drop-off centers listed. And that can either allow you to establish a new drop-off center or see which drop-off centers are closest to you. So you don't have to be a part of that parish or school. You could participate by bringing your individual box to that drop-off center. All right, very good. And uh, today's the 22nd of uh, October as of the day that we're running this. Uh, deadlines, I, I think it's pretty urgent. People need, need to get going with this, right? It is urgent. Our, our goal is to have 1,500 uh, sign-ups for drop-off centers and a goal of 144,000 boxes. And our deadline to ask for all the boxes, to be a project leader, to ask for the boxes to be shipped out to you is October 28th. So we're in our final week of, um, of really trying to hit that goal to bless as many children as possible. All right, October 28th, uh, the feast day of St. Simon and Jude, uh, the, the, the feast of impossible causes uh, with St. Jude. Uh, so it's uh, everybody get it in by then. Again, the website boxofjoy.org, boxofjoy.org. Uh, and the, um, the, the, the Michelle Sagarino is my guest, vice president for development for cross Catholic outreach. And, uh, this, this is such a, a wonderful, wonderful program and um, do you have any stories Michelle about just I told you about what a blessing it is for us but I asked you about on the receiving end but I'm sure you hear a lot of people say you know this has blessed our family to be involved on the giving end too I'm sure you hear that all the time all the time all the time and that was one of our goals right we really wanted to mobilize the church here so we've heard of children as young as 10 or 12 years old, giving up their birthday party gifts and having a party in which the boxes are all being filled, that the guests are bringing various items to fill the boxes. We've had um, different troops, Girl Scouts, uh, do the same thing, really come together and sacrifice to give to someone else. But the most touching thing that I've witnessed is at our distribution center. So they all come in. They, um, I, I mentioned that you need to order your boxes by October 28th. Then the week of November 5th through 13th, we begin to collect them all from all across the United States. And then we screen them in Miami. So you can imagine 144,000 boxes coming in and the notes as we screen them, we, we screen them to ensure there's no water or things that would damage the other boxes as they're being shipped. 
the notes from the children here in the United States, sharing their love, adding pictures in the boxes, are, it could bring you to tears. It's just, it's a great, great experience for our youth to be thinking of others like that. And they are really rallying. They really are engaged. It's, it's beautiful to see. Yeah. You know, I'm just thinking of the logistics of having all these drop off and pick up sites and getting them all to Miami. And, uh, you know, this is, this is like running UPS or something. I mean, how do you have volunteers or just staff members? How, how do you, how do you pull that off? Oh, yes, it is. We've had the same amount of staff since the beginning, which was uh, like about eight years ago, 2014, a couple staff members leading the charge and everything else is run by volunteers. And we really heard even through COVID, the church just wants to be engaged. They want to help. We have a lot of signups. As I mentioned, we needed 1,500 drop-off centers. So think of the volunteer manpower and heart behind that. And then at our distribution center, we run for about three weeks, just nonstop with volunteers screening the boxes, playing Christmas music and just really being, you know, excited to be involved. And, um, that, uh, that sign up is available. If people wanted to do a, a little mission trip to Miami to help, it's available, and you can do that as well on boxofjoy.org. And I know some people may be intimidated by buying a, you know, gifts for somebody they don't know. They don't know much about them, but I have found, you know, you, you, you make it pretty easy by giving in the information that people get. Here's what you, sh- you know, the kind of things you do get. Here's the kind of things not mm-hmm. to get. So it's, it's really made very simple. People shouldn't be intimidated by the process of buying gifts for strangers, right? Very, very simple. There's a whole list on the website of, you know, useful things, believe it or not, socks were an item that was one of the most favorite things given to this little girl when I was at the um, distribution in in Haiti. So don't feel intimidated. And also, I think a lot of us are really busy and may not have time to engage in packing a box. Then you can go online to Box of Joy and we will pack a box for you. So that's an option as well um, that might make it easier for some. All right. Uh, just have a couple minutes remaining with Michelle Sagarino, Vice President for Development, Cross Catholic Outreach. The uh, topic we're talking about is Box of Joy, providing schools, parishes, organizations, and families with an inspiring opportunity to send gifts to Haiti, Guatemala, other developing countries, where in, in many cases, children are getting their only Christmas gift this year. And even though it's still October, this is something that clearly has a lot, a lot of uh, organization. And so, um, Michelle has mentioned really only have until the 28th, uh, to get this going. Boxofjoy.org, boxofjoy.org. And, and just as we close out, Michelle, any other just particulars, the nuts and bolts of, uh, deadlines and what people need to know before, uh, so that they can uh, participate this year? Sure. If you want to participate as a group, you go on to Box of Joy. That deadline's October 28th. And then there's still time. We don't collect the boxes until the week of November 5th through the 13th. Or you can go online and we'll pack a box for you. So you still have time to get involved and to get engaged. And this year, if we hit our goal of 144,000 children blessed with boxes, we'll be over a half a million children touched. Like 
one of the little stories of Luce, uh, who is in Nicaragua, who literally got up the morning to receive her box super early, like we all do, and helped her father to prepare the horse to go to the distribution site to get her box. Oh, just, wow. To see her smile. I just think it's such a beautiful way for us to gather together and to bless the lives of so many families. All right. Uh, well, Michelle, thank you for your time. Thank you for what you've done with Cross Catholic Outreach for, gosh, almost 18 years now. And I know it must be a, a real blessing to work in, uh, in, with an organization that does so much good for so many people. Uh, Michelle Sagrino, Vice President for Development for Cross Catholic Outreach. And the website uh, that you need to visit, and if you're an organization that wants to be one of the uh, drop-off sites or organize, you got to do this by the 28th uh, of October. And so you only have about a week left. Boxofjoy.org. You can get all the information there. Boxofjoy.org. Michelle, thanks for your time. Great speaking with you. Oh, thank you so much, and God bless you. Thank you so much. Thanks to Diane, and also thank you for listening, everybody, and for participating in these kind of uh, uh, events and opportunities. And if you have op- uh, suggestions for future interviews of the week, I always like to, to get those. Uh, just email me directly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend. The Office of Evangelization, Catechesis, and Family Life for the Diocese of Dallas will host a domestic violence awareness training for ministry leaders and volunteers on Wednesday, October 26th. The training will be held at St. Mark the Evangelist Parish Center in Plano. Come learn about the different types of domestic violence and appropriate responses to calls for help. Register and get more information at cathdow.org slash dv or call 214-379-2881. A vast majority of Catholic youth are disconnecting from the church during their teenage years. To re-engage teenagers, Net Ministries offers dynamic evangelistic retreats that have helped over 2.3 million young people encounter the person of Christ. By scheduling a Net retreat, you create an opportunity for your young people to make the faith their own. Like one retreatant who shared, the Net retreat was a wake-up call for me. It's so easy to get distracted in the world, but it helped me to focus more on God and who God wants me to be. You can schedule your Net retreat today by going to netusa.org forward slash schedule. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. I'm Dave Palmer, host of this program. Diane Xavier is running the board, and I appreciate very much uh, Pat Swachina, who is the Director of Communications for the Fort Worth Diocese, emailing me recently and, and suggesting an interview that I've been looking forward to for quite some time. And it is with the new superintendent of Catholic schools in the Diocese of Fort Worth. He's actually no stranger. I've known uh, Brenton Smith uh, for many, many years and his family. He's married to his wife, Rebecca. They have nine children ranging from college age to two years old. So a busy household. And he's been in his new position as superintendent of Catholic schools of Fort Worth since March 1st of this year. So Brenton, thanks for taking time to come over here. Good to see you. Thanks for having me, Dave. It's great to be here again. So um, I want to know all about what's going on, your vision, what's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the plans are in the future. But as far as yourself, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about your own educational and spiritual background, whatever you want to tell us about, uh, you know, kind of what got you to the position you are in now. Well, I'm an adult convert, um, you know, by the grace of the Holy Ghost, you know, and and very good books. Uh, um, found myself in the Catholic Church as an adult, um, and after I was baptized and confirmed, I 
thought was going to college uh, back east at Temple University and thought, I'd like to um, find a, a Catholic college to go to. Mm-hmm. And so I looked into Catholic great book schools and my sister was living in Fort Worth, Texas and came to visit her and stumbled upon the little College of St. Thomas More and transferred there and got my bachelor's degree there at College of St. Thomas More. Uh, we all, it was a single curriculum. We all took the same courses for four years, uh, courses in theology, philosophy, literature, classics, history. And uh, we all received a bachelor's in liberal arts with minors in theology, philosophy, classics, and literature. Mm. So that was just a great Catholic college education. And um, many of our professors were University of Dallas people, PhDs from University of Dallas. So the natural transition was to go to grad school at the University of Dallas. So I went there and uh, received a master's in English literature at University of Dallas and uh, have been working on a Ph.D. in humanities at the University of Texas at Dallas. Mm, okay. While I've been working in schools through the years. Yeah, okay. Well, as you started to say that, I was like, gosh, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to call him Dr. Smith or not, no, but you're no. not a doctor yet. No, but, I'm uh, a Ph.D. candidate. I think I'm ABD. Okay. I don't, go by, <laughs> I don't go by doctor because I haven't quite finished. Well, when you started the College of St. Thomas More, mm-hmm. were you already a Catholic or did that come after just, that? I had just been baptized and confirmed uh, probably a little less than a year before I started the College of St. Thomas More. Yeah, and you also married into a, a Catholic family, yes, right? Yes, So that yes. probably helped as well. Yes, I did. Uh, family of uh, my wife and my, my brothers-in-law, and my father-in-law all went to the College of St. Thomas More as well. Oh, wow. My wow. father-in-law was on the board for some, a number of years. Some people may remember Dr. James, well, Dr. James Patrick. Dr. Who, Patrick, uh, yes. Yeah, who uh, has, well, was, was synonymous with that school for many, yes. many years. Was the chancellor and the provost and one of the founders. Yeah. So you've always had a love for learning? Yes, yes. I was, I was um, always interested in ideas, always interested in, in books and and uh, trying to find more out about, you know, the best it, that's been thought and said through the centuries, and and uh, the church obviously is where all of that is is kept for uh, where the truth uh, comes from out to us. So um, so found my way through reading to to the church, and and was was really nothing. Grew up grew up, you know not being um, uh, churched at all and and kind of through reading the right things, you know, discovered the Catholic Church was the true church. Yeah, wow, a lot of God's grace being poured yes, out upon yes, that situation. Definitely. So uh, professionally, how, mm-hmm. wow, how did you decide to get into education? What have been your positions leading up to your current position? Well, when I was at the College of St. Thomas More, I started teaching um, just to, you know, have... have a, um, some work in addition to going to school, and uh, a professor of mine at the at the college, Brian Smith, was the headmaster of a little classical school in Fort Worth, St. Peter's Orthodox Classical School, mm-hmm. and started teaching there, and that's how I got into teaching and um, classical education. We also had a little co- a little school at the College of St. Thomas More called the Lady Margaret Roper School, so I taught there as well. And so between St. Peter's Orthodox School and, and Lady Margaret Roper School, that was how I got into teaching and 
kind of the Catholic tradition of education and um, eventually found my way through Brian Smith again. He came back from um, Phoenix, Arizona, where he was the headmaster at Anthem Prep, a, a great art school. And uh, Brian called me up and he was becoming the regional director of North Texas for Great Hearts and um, talked to me about working with him at, at Great Hearts. And uh, he and I worked on the Great Hearts Irving Project, and that's how I got into school administration and uh, regional administration, working with Brian at Great Hearts and uh, found my way into not only teaching, but also administration at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I spent the rest of my career before coming back into uh, working in the church in administration for classical charter schools. Yeah. So how did it come about this position? Are you close with Bishop Olson? Do you know some people in the Fort Worth Diocese? Of course, you've been working in Fort Worth for quite some time and, you know, through the, the college and all that. But how, how did this come about? Um, the Vicar General, Father Wallace, is uh, friendly with some friends of mine and uh, reached out to me about um, talking to the diocese about um, this position. And um, I think initially just kind of helping them find somebody with my background. Mm -hmm. And so we were talking about where to look for a superintendent, how to find one that was Catholic and had a classical education background, classical liberal arts background, and I was working uh, for Hillsdale Charter Schools at the time and uh, was doing an interim position and just kind of mentioned to Father Wallace, well, you know, I'm happy to help in any way I can, but I can also <laughs> come in and interview if you yeah. like. And he said, oh, okay, yeah, let's do that. So we we kind of scheduled an interview and I came in and met with Bishop Olson and kind of the Catholic Center team that was that was vetting people and... Um, and that's how yeah, I the kind of made history, my way right? into the position. Yeah, now you've been in the position for a little over a month. and I mean, I'm over six months, I should say. Yeah. And uh, talk about, you said something before we started recording that really mm-hmm. struck me. You said that uh, the fourth diocese is uh, the, the fastest growing diocese in the country. Right? That's it, what I have heard, yes. And, yeah, and it's obvious. You look everywhere, you mm-hmm. know, how homes are being built and uh, it's expanding and it's, it's a very vibrant area. That, of course, pr- provides a lot of opportunity for schools mm-hmm. in the, the Diocese of Fort Worth. Um, tell us about the current situation. How many high schools, how many grade schools, Catholic schools, of course, mm-hmm. in the Fort Worth Diocese are we at right now? We have 17 Catholic schools in the diocese. Uh, we have three high schools. Uh, Sacred Heart in Munster goes pre-K all the way through 12th grade, so they have a high school as well. And then we have Casada Catholic and Nolan Catholic high schools in Fort Worth. And then we have 14 schools that have uh, pre, pre-K pre 3 through 8th grade, including Sacred Heart. Okay. And the you, you mentioned uh, they were looking for somebody with a classical mm-hmm. education background, liberal arts. Um what, what, how, is that the vision of what you'd like to see for Catholic schools in Fort Worth? What, what kind of stamp, for, for lack of a better word, would you like to put on the future of Catholic education? We are moving towards converting all 17 of our schools to Catholic classical liberal arts schools. Um, so we, this has been a process that's been going on for a few years with us, even before I was there. And uh, we're continuing that vision of the bishops and the diocese. 
And um, we are slowly but surely getting there. One of the things that I, I mentioned when I was being interviewed was, you know, this is going to be a, a lengthy process. This is going to be years because you have to slowly uh, transition to this form of education. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't just up and do it in a year. So that's the goal for the whole diocese is to convert all 17 schools into Catholic classical liberal arts schools. Yeah. I recently interviewed Amy Felton, the mm-hmm. principal at St. John the Apostle, which the, the recently was awarded a, a, a blue ribbon status by the Department of Education, which uh, I don't have to tell you is a big deal. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and they are already a classical education. So is this yes. kind of a model of what you'd like to see for the other schools? And are there yes, any others? We have, we have, because of COVID, we have some schools that are kind of further along the, along the conversion process than others. St. John's is doing a very good job uh amy felton school is like you said has been recognized um by the u.s department of education as a blue blue ribbon school there's going to be a big event in dc that we're going to go to 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 give them that blue ribbon award um and we have some other schools like st john's st elizabeth ann seton sam vanderplas is doing a great job in the conversion process there at st elizabeth ann seton catholic school uh, we just brought in Oscar Ortiz, who has experience in classical education, um, to be the principal at Nolan Catholic High School. Um, Frank Perez is our new principal at Immaculate Conception Classical, uh, Immaculate Conception Catholic School, and he has a classical education background. So we have schools that are kind of slowly converting, and we have schools that are kind of got in front of it before COVID and are kind of further down the down the line in the process. Mm-hmm. And when you say classical education, mm-hmm. what exactly does that mean? And what, what is the alternative? What are some of them doing now that need to convert to classical? Mm-hmm. What, what does that mean? Well, what, when I think of classical, I really do think of the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you think about the church, early on in the church's life, they took what was best about Greek education and Roman education and, and baptized it and made it Catholic education. So really the Catholic intellectual tradition is the best of the ancient world, the best of the classical world, and all the good things that the church has done with teaching and learning through the centuries. So it really is a Catholic education. One of the things that was always frustrating in being in the charter school world was we could talk about truth, but we couldn't teach the fullness of truth. Mm -hmm, We couldn't teach that all of these things that we're talking about in the liberal arts, ultimately lead to our Lord Jesus Christ as the truth. So being in the Catholic Church and Catholic education, we have the fullness of the faith, we have the fullness of truth. So we can teach all of truth. Um, we can teach theology, which I never could before. Yeah, uh, yeah. We can teach the, the teachings of the Catholic Church, the um, sacred scripture and sacred tradition. So really, to me, the fullness of classical education, the fullness of the liberal arts is Catholic education. So when I think about classical Catholic liberal arts education, I'm, I'm thinking about teaching to the whole human person, mm-hmm. teaching to their mind, teaching to their will, their heart, te- even teaching to the body. Bishop Olson is, is very... Um, great about competition and the benefit in in the moral life of of excellent athletics and competition how that helps form students 
So we think about it as, as teaching to the mind, teaching reason, teaching to the heart, to the will, and teaching to the body. So if you think about teaching to the mind, um, what do we do in classical education that's special? Well, we try to teach the ancient languages, Latin and Greek, but we also try to teach the good and the great books. What is the best content that we can provide for our students at, at their particular age and stage of development? So for kindergarten, if you think about it, what's the best book they can read? What are the best set of books they can read for kindergarten? Well, something like Frog and Toad. Mm -hmm. For second and third grade, that might be Pinocchio. For fifth and sixth, that might be Wind in the Willows. And all of those good books are kind of preparatory for reading Shakespeare, for reading Dante, for reading Sacred Scripture, for reading St. Thomas and St. Augustine. Um, so all of these these good books at the lower ages lead to the great books as they get into middle and high school. But also classical education and think about how we teach to the, to the reason, to the mind. We teach all the traditional academic skills. So when they're little guys, we teach phonics and spelling rules. What type of sentence is this? Um, we teach grammar, so being able to parse sentences, sentence diagramming. Um, we teach outline notes and Cornell notes, so how to be a good student, all those traditional study skills, academic skills. Um, and all of that leads to taking seriously grammar, logic, and rhetoric as they get older in middle mm -hmm. and high school. So excellent academic skills, excellent content through the good and the great books, the traditional liberal arts disciplines. So we teach theology, catechetics. Uh, we teach literature, history. Math, science, art, music. When they get older, we want to teach philosophy as well. Mm. Uh, so the traditional liberal arts disciplines um, and their methods, how you study within those disciplines, um, how those disciplines are taught when we're talking about teacher training. So that's kind of broadly how we think about teaching to the mind. But, you know, being in the church, having Catholic schools, we have the benefit of you know, the church and the sacraments. So in teaching to the heart, we have the sacramental life of the church. So we can have mass as often as, as possible. Mm -hmm. We can have confession. We can have Eucharistic adoration, things like processions and spiritual direction from pastors of our Catholic schools, parochial schools, or our chaplains at the diocese schools. So we try to integrate the sacramental life as best as we can for their hearts, for the moral life, for the spiritual life of our students. But we also talk about virtue. We talk about the theological virtues, faith, hope, and love through grace. And we talk about the moral virtues, the natural virtues, prudence, temperance, justice, and courage, fortitude. So we're trying to create a, a fully Catholic culture. So not only through theology and, and teaching truth in the disciplines, but also kind of living out the Catholic faith, the sacramental life in our schools. So that is how we address the human heart, the moral life, the spiritual life. And then, like I said, Bishop is great on this. We try to have PE, excellent athletics, competition, and kind of address the human body as well, because we don't want to have men without chests, men that know things but don't have the right kind of heart. Mm -hmm. But we also don't want to have men without, like, you know, uh, 
a fully fit, healthy life themselves right. in, in their in their bodies as well. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like uh, wow. You guys have given this a lot of thought, and that's mm-hmm. a it's a very well explained you know game plan. Uh, just a, a few minutes remaining with Brenton Smith, the new superintendent of Fort Worth Schools uh, Catholic Schools in the Fort Worth Diocese. Uh, real quickly, do you have a time frame of when mm-hmm. you think you'll convert all seventeen schools over? Well, one of the things when they were interviewing I mentioned was 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and Monsignor Hart made the joke that, oh, it'll probably take more than that. Oh, really? Okay. So, um, you know, if you think about 17 schools, uh, I'm concentrating on training teachers and training principals to begin. Uh, we're thinking about training to begin, but also diagnostic testing. So we're trying to bring in testing that will give us information about our students that's more appropriate for Catholic classical liberal arts education. So we're looking at the classic learning test uh, in our middle schools and our high schools, and even we're working with them about um, trying out some, some lower schools, some elementary school tests. And we're looking at the ARC test, the assessment of religious knowledge through um, Sophia Institute, working with Rob Kenny at the, at the ARC test to get a kind of a, a sense of how well we're doing with theology. Mm. So the first step in kind of the big vision is let's concentrate on teaching training, teacher training. Let's concentrate on principal and administrative training. Uh, not only in in these things that I'm talking about, but also classroom instruction. Mm-hmm. How do you teach classically? You know, we do not do kind of pods of students sitting there all either on the floor or in a group of desks together looking at each other all working on their iPads or their laptops together. We do direct instruction. We have the teacher at the whiteboard with her marker teaching the students what she knows. Mm-hmm. Um, so we like the traditional classroom setup of the desk facing the teacher because, you know, I like to tell the, the principals and the teachers, the teachers are the truth bearers. Mm-hmm. They know the truth and they are passing it to the students so yeah. the students can learn the truth as well. So it's not teacher-facilitated education. It's teacher-led education. It's, it's direct instruction. But there's ways of doing that so you're not just sitting there lecturing the whole time because you have to only lecture for a certain amount of time for how old your students are. There's yeah. age-appropriate limits to, to lecture. So there's things like read-alouds. We, we encourage the, the K-2 and preschool teachers to have reading rugs and rocking chairs so they can do read-alouds. We're encouraging things like narration where the teacher will do a read-aloud and then the students will be able to tell the story back to the teacher, uh, which is great because you go around the room and each student builds on the story and you, you get a fuller picture uh, as you go through. The students add details to it and eventually they're able to give the teacher back the whole story. Uh, we like memorization and recitation. We like beautiful poetry and beautiful Catholic prayers. We want the students to memorize those and be able to recite those individually and then chorally together. Uh, we like um, recitation that also um, can be turned into dictation. So once the students memorize the poem, the teacher then can recite it herself and the students can sit at their desks writing the the poem down and punctuating it as they go along. We like picture study and nature study, bringing the outdoors into the classroom, observing it, 
with their sketchbook or with their diaries, making observations. That's really the beginning of science is, is yeah, observation natural to observation. The senses. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like a lot going on. Good stuff yeah. going on in the forest diocese. I wish I had more time. We have run out of time already. And, uh, I just ask all of our listeners to pray for Brenton Smith, yes, pray you. for all the forest schools. I'd love to, uh, know about expansion. Uh, mm-hmm. if the diocese is growing this fast, I'm sure there's going to be some expansion. That'll be for the next interview. Okay. Great. Well, I'm happy to come <laughs> but, back. Uh, yeah. Thanks uh, again to Pat Swachina for recommending this interview and, uh, FWDIOC dot org is the mm-hmm. general website for the diocese. They can find out about Catholic schools by going yes. there. I'm yes. sure there's a tab or something. And uh, if you're considering uh, Catholic education in the Forest mm-hmm. Diocese, it sounds like this is a good time to jump on board because yep. there's a lot of exciting things that are if happening. If you're interested right now. in teaching for us, if you're interested in putting your children in our schools, if you're interested in donating to this to this project. Um, Visit us at the at the website, and um, and you can also email me at bsmith at fwdioc.org if you're interested in any of those things, and uh, we'd be happy to talk to you and um, talk more about Catholic classical liberal arts education in the Diocese of Fort Worth. Yeah, well, thanks again for coming out. bsmith at fwdioc.org is the email address, and then the website, fwdioc.org. Org, as in fortworthdiocese.org mm-hmm. and you can find out all the information there. Thank you again. I look forward to the next conversation. We'll have to get yeah. a, uh, you know, I, I just ran out of time. I, there's so many <laughs> other questions I like to ask, but I appreciate you very much you being here. You, this has been the interview of the week here at KTH 910 AM on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Thanks to Diane Xavier for running the board, Pat Swachina again for recommending it, and you for listening. And uh, thank you for supporting Catholic education in the Diocese of Fort Worth and also in the Diocese of Dallas as well. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at the same time for another KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. Did you know that any Catholic man can join the Knights of Columbus who is 18 years or older? By joining the largest Catholic organization in the world, you can become a better husband, a better father, a better friend, and an overall better Catholic. All you have to do to join is go to knights.net and click join. That's K-N-I-G-H-T-S dot net. This starts your journey as a knight and will give you complete access to all of the fraternal benefits of the Knights of Columbus. St. Paul Catholic Community in Richardson invites all KATH 910 AM listeners to its 2022 Kermes Parish Festival called St. Paula Palooza. The event takes place on the weekend of Saturday, October 29th and Sunday, October 30th. The weekend begins on Saturday, the 29th at 3 p.m. Enjoy live entertainment, music, delicious American and Hispanic food, a cakewalk, and a petting zoo. For more information, call the parish office at 972-235-6105. Are you a small company in need of tech support? Do you have technical issues that come up and you don't know what to do? Does your church need guidance with live streaming? I am Charles Gura, a parishioner at St. Catherine of Siena Parish in Carrollton and a sponsor of KATH 910 AM. Whether it's making sure computers are updated or they are backed up, ProMultis can provide these and other services. We can be reached at 214-702-6996 or online at pro-multis.com. That's P-R-O-M-U-L-T-I-S.com. This is Jesuit Father Robert McCaig, host of The Catholic Current, 
where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. Join me on Fridays for Let's Talk About This, where you and I walk through a controversial issue together. Then we'll wrap up with Weekend Readiness, reviewing the week's headlines in light of the upcoming Sunday Scriptures, so you'll be all prayed up for Sunday Mass. That's the Catholic Current on Friday, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network, at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 